Hello. Welcome again to Rachel Sermani's Finger That Points to the Moon podcast. This is fun. This is like a, this is an actual serious series that I've got going, which um, pra- practically, productively feels quite good. Obviously, um, it's feeling good for me already and I've not even put them out, but this was the plan. Uh, when it comes to my making of things and productivity, I can be a bit sporadic and spontaneous. And if you're wanting to kind of create a snowball of a, of um, listening, of attention, then it's kind of better to have something that's continuous. So thank you, Alex, my wonderful, dearest friend and manager who suggested this. If you've been listening um, to the full series, you've basically been with me now for uh, about five weeks in succession. So that's nice, eh? And as usual, we're looking at the 10 Rules for a Creative Life by Sister Karita Kent. And I'm going to do two rules in one episode today because they kind of uh, feel like a brother and sister to me. So rule number six and rule number seven. Rule number six is nothing is a mistake. There's no win and no fail. There's only make. And rule seven is the only rule is work. If you work, it will lead to something. It's the people who do all of the work, all of the time, who eventually catch on to things. So let's look at rule six. Nothing is a mistake. There's no win and no fail. There's only make. This is simple. (laughs) But we make it complex. Like of of all the rules, this is like the big, the big voice in her head has a big but. Uh, at this we make it difficult we make it hard for ourselves because there's something about the me in this situation not them not the other people but me situation <laughs> something about the the self-centering of us um, that attaches so strongly so often to the notion of mistake or failure and this simple rule is the but, the but, the big but <laughs> to all your fears around beginning, continuing, or finishing a creative project. The inner critic um, will raise their head at different points in the process for different people. And one thing I've noticed is that no matter how silly or um, playful or nonsensical the creative exercise, like uh, in previous podcasts, I had talked about closing your eyes and drawing something and how like on, in a simple way, someone can open their eyes and be like, oh my God, that's so bad. <laughs> um, giving them no uh sense of self-compassion for the fact that they drew a cat 
with their eyes closed, it's um, there's n they they're still very seriously uh, critical of themselves. But what's also noticeable is that for me as like a holder of workshops or an observer of the people who I'm working with, I get to like have a wee insight into their process, which I c can almost guarantee I'll be able to pick up on in, in future work with them and, and when they're maybe writing a song. So for example, doing a stream of consciousness and someone just cannot even put pen to paper. Uh, someone else gets gets midway through the page and then starts to like doubt and starts to think this is stupid or whatever, and then the other per someone else um, just can't can't find the right way to finish. It's not right, it, and they just keep have to keep going. There's something something's not right. Something's not finished. There are like three cardinal critics three cardinal characters of the inner critic that I see come out a lot. But essentially, it's all definitely of the same aspect, which is a kind of perfectionist thing and a fear of the mistake or fear of not winning and failing. I studied, um, up until lockdown, I was studying shiatsu and it's kind of, fallen away for the next while but still the studies have remained and um, the initial year we were learning about traditional Chinese medicine and there's an elemental wheel that every all the theory is based on and there are these elements that make up our whole being energe our energetic being from the physical to the non-physical one of these elements is metal and metal governs the lungs and the large intestine. And the lungs and the large intestine in traditional Chinese medicine aren't like just the organs that we know of in the Western world, but like they represent like a whole system in the body. So the lungs are the lungs of, as the organs, but they're also the breath and the skin. But also they, they sort of enter into mental and emotional spaces too and the metal energy is all about yeah letting go and exchange and ability to exchange ability to let go or ability to to sort of retain something and that makes sense if you think of the functions of the lung and the large intestine and so unsurprisingly the large intestine and the lung are in charge of the emotion grief, which is all about holding on and letting go. People who maybe had um, an imbalance of metal in their, in their being, they might be very perfectionist, for example, and, and it's almost like they just can't let go of a project when it comes to an end. And then some might be really like lacking in metal energy. They might have like a sort of passive attachment to metal energy for whatever reason. And you might see this physically and physiologically and also in their mentality. They might just be, they might have no care for what they do. It might, everything might just be throw away. 
So there's an interesting wee thought for you on the, on the front of the kind of perfectionist character. In both circumstances, they're kind of scared of losing. S scared to experience loss. So yeah, it's one of the many, it's one of the many angles our inner critic can come in from with this is a mistake or you will end up regretting this or this isn't good enough regarding like a win fail situation as if it's a comp there's a there's a competition attached to it i walked with a friend on the beach last night and he revealed his attitude and perspective on play and he let me know that he views play when with others, we were like talking about childhood as a sort of way to like socially find your place and placement in a hierarchy. And I, I find this really interesting as I'd not, I hadn't really considered it to be like that. I'd always, I have a quite a playful perspective on play. And, and there was something maybe slightly negative regarding how I thought he was talking about it. And I can see how it clearly works for certain games where basically there is a competition. And yes, even in role play, there's a sense of learning one's way about a role. But um, yeah, he was making it seem like there was a sort of sense of win or lose in there. Uh, and I wonder if that is, I wonder if that is what he meant. But either way, it made, it got me thinking and I, I don't, fully agree with that perspective but yes play does reveal take us and break us through our limits and that is why it is best to take serious heed of this rule number six there is only make and we do have to sort of push through um, and, and meet our limits wherever they might be it might be that you learn that you are your cardinal critic is uh, the guy who just you just can't start. I was a wee bit like that today. It's like it's half it's half three, and I've been meaning to record this podcast since the morning. So I was definitely in in struggling in the beginning aspect, and that's an interesting point too because I'm very aware that I'm um in what some call the autumn of their menstrual cycle so like this is this is me in premenstrual phase just before my womb starts to bleed and I know that when I'm in this phase I take it a wee bit easier don't give myself a hard time for not being able to start continue or finish anything because essentially energy is lower I'm more easily aggravated um, or irritated and have to take it slow. Um, so there's another thing that our inner critic and actually um, in learning about my menstrual cycle you learn also that your inner critic for someone who menstruates becomes like much very very heightened um, in the premenstrual phase. So I wonder if any of you guys have been able to recognize whilst listening um your own cardinal inner critic where where the where the guy likes to pop it pop up and uh give you some discouraging words <laughs> and for those who menstruate 
um, have you considered your cycle in your creative process? And if not, I would totally, I really highly re recommend it. It's been really helpful for me in, in general, but definitely in the creative process too. Even as just something new to explore um, as a subject matter. It's really worth exploring. And to preface, 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 <laughs> and to preface, I feel like that's like an American way to say it. To introduce rule number seven, I have this brilliant wee excerpt from a book called A Poetry Handbook by Mary Oliver that was given to me by this amazing guitarist and singer-songwriter woman uh, called Courtney Hartman. We swapped books at a music camp in America one time. We were sleeping in a teepee and all the girls uh, in, the, in this uh, tent had sort of piled up a bunch of books in the center where our heads all met whilst we slept. Uh, it was like a little book club. And I gave Courtney, um, on departing, I gave her a book of poetry by the local uh, Michael Peterson of Leith, and originally of Portobello. And uh, she gave me this book. And this is... This is the like one of the first chapters of this, a poetry handbook by Mary Oliver, and it's, it's uh, titled Getting Ready. If Romeo and Juliet had made appointments to meet in the moonlight-swept orchard, in all the peril and sweetness of conspiracy, and then more often than not failed to meet, one or the other lagging or afraid or busy elsewhere, there would have been no romance, no passion, none of the drama for which we remember and celebrate them. Writing a poem is not so different. It is a kind of possible love affair between something like the heart, that courageous but also shy factory of emotion, and the learned skill of the conscious mind. They make appointments with each other and keep them, and something begins to happen, or... They make appointments with each other, but are casual and often fail to keep them. Count on it, nothing happens. And I think this totally, beautifully resonates with Sister Carita Kent's rule number seven. The only rule is work. If you work, it will lead to something. It's the people who do all of the work all of the time who eventually catch on to things. Yeah, we need to figure out how how our heart, our shy. Um, what? Did, how did she describe it? Our shy factory of emotion. Mm mm. How 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 do we get our heart and our mind together? And again, I think there are like so many different ways that we can manage this, but there is something to be said about making an appointment and keeping it, creating that relationship of trust. <laughs> it's such a beautiful symbol and quite a funny one to think of like Romeo or Juliet, like my, my, 
my common thing is that I get a wee bit socially anxious and I'll cancel on people beforehand. Sorry to anyone who I've done this to. Um, there are many of you who have done this to. Um, and I'll just, I'll cancel. <laughs> and I, yeah, in, in, in respect of that relationship, I probably create another block to add to my social anxiety over the next part next time I have to next time I want to meet that person um so there's something to be said about cultivating a relationship and cultivating a pattern or habit that definitely is how things happen but there are definitely when it comes to creativity according to my mind many different ways that we do arrange and keep those appointments. I don't necessarily think it's all about doing. For me, for example, there's lots of times in my life where I have been creatively um, in drought on the surface and maybe even feeling it, but they were always times of those those silent times or the non-juicy times where nothing was being created. Um, I was still being with myself. I was still working through. I usually was still journaling, um, which is, I guess, a form of meeting yourself. But I wasn't maybe writing songs and I wasn't consciously forcing it either which is maybe something that I'm a bit different to some other people that I know who who really will consciously sit down whether they feel like it or not and strive to write a song. Um, and I absolutely have respect for that. It just, I think I see that for me sometimes I like to lull, I like to sink into the liminal or the resting phase or the the experiencing of my life um, and trusting that going deep with this experience will conceive a creation of some sort, a depth. You have to dive to the depth, you have to learn about that space and then you come back um, with your treasures for the rest of the world to be like, oh, I, I've been there. I have a song called um, Black Hole, which not many have not played it very much. It's on an EP called the Everything Changes EP. And it's um, a song about going in. I'm going in. It's like, this is a love song for the black hole. These are the last remaining words before we lose all self-control. The fish are ringing off the hook and there's a collar on the line singing Reel them in, reel them in, reel them in. They're all mine. It's a scary place to be, but inevitably we're gonna have to go. We know we cannot see, but we are walking in with eyes wide closed. And there's a part where it goes, we must inhabit. Um, yeah, the whole song is literally about this very thing of experiencing for the sake of creating. Um, and I cannot remember the words, <clears throat> but there's something of like, um, we must call into all the caves. Um, we must inhabit all the shadows so that maybe someday a somebody is saved. 
So this notion that the artist, uh, the philosopher, the absolutely anybody has an experience in life and therefore is able to express from it and therefore is able to make somebody else feel like the, they're not alone in the place that they've gone themselves. It's kind of, it's, uh, it's compassion as far as I'm concerned, which is lovely. Um, so to me, diving deep into your experience, your emotions, your feelings, your circumstance, um, be it a pleasurable one, be it a painful one, is a really huge, humongous part of being the artist, even and and doing the work. It's the people who work all of the time, you know. To me, that is that is about being with myself as much as is possible, even if what I'm experiencing is resistance, for example. If I really feel into the resistance, then I get a really good idea of what that texture is. Of what I do when I'm in resistance to feeling, <laughs> to living. And from there, I might actually write something where, where when I sing that song, a gig, someone knows that feeling. They, they resonate with that feeling of resistance. They know what I'm talking about. And then here we are connecting. So yeah, I I like this and I interpret it to mean what it, what I want it to mean, which isn't um, to sit at my desk every day necessarily, um, but to flow um, with what I'm experiencing and to trust that I will make from it. So there you go, that's... That's the two rules, number six and number seven. Nothing is a mistake, there's no win and no fail, only make, and the only rule is work. I hope you've got some insight there, hope it's been helpful, and I'll see you for the next the next episode. Um, thank you so much for listening. Let me know um, what your cardinal inner critic traits are currently. Remember that your inner critic will, of course, change as soon as you become aware of it. <laughs> and um, good luck in making your things. And and yeah, make an arrangement to, for your heart and your mind to, to have a meet. May that be your homework. Lots of goodness to you. See ya. After the last episode of this series has been released, I'll be hosting a number of online workshops on the art of writing song, as I have known and grown with it. This experience won't be about writing a radio hit, though you might. It'll be all about cultivating confidence and creativity and feeling empowered in your own expression. The way I've always worked is through the exploring and cultivating of both my spirituality and creativity, the two are symbiotic, both require courage. Their union has been the lens and toolkit through which I process living here on Earth, so you can expect to be hearing from my expertise and experience in both realms, that of creativity and that of spirit. There will be creative writing exercises, drawing exercises, exercise exercises, as in stuff to do with your body or what is available to you in your own body, 
There will also be focused moments where we work with the voice and practice strengthening that lovely center of expression and communication. There will also be meditations to encourage the flow of creative juices. For each workshop, there will be 13 safe spaces. Having only a small number of people on the course will mean I get to give you lots of individual attention and to tune the whole workshop to the needs of whoever's in there. You might be a veteran in the art of song or completely without experience. All you need is curiosity. Curiosity keeps you open so the magic of creativity can come in. Tickets are on sale now. To choose your preferred weekend and take leap into play, go to my website at www.rachelsermani.com. You'll find the link in the podcast description. I'm really excited for this. Guiding people in their creative process is something I love to do and have been working my way up to doing more of for a few years. It's so important to me that everyone feels welcome in the world of expression. Artistry belongs to all. Creativity is a life boy. It keeps one afloat in a wild sea. I feel like the more you're able to explore and express yourself, the more alive you're able and willing to feel. So maybe see you there.